Well, good morning. Uh, a lot going on today. A lot going on today. Let's uh, let's start with who is who's out there. We see Alex is out there this morning. Good morning, Alex. It's always great to see you. Great to talk to you. Dennis is out there. Welcome back, Hack Boy. Welcome back to the show. Uh, good to see you guys. Looks like uh, looks like we're getting up and running. It always takes a minute to get everything going. Everyone started everything. In the loop, in the zone, uh, we are we are just on YouTube now. We've we've dropped everything else because the integrations just didn't work. When you when you try it, you try all their fixes, you try all the changes, you try all the work with all the settings, um, and things just don't 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 work. You gotta get a drop. You gotta cut your losses, man. That's that's what I did. Uh, we won't live stream to uh to twitter not to twitter to uh twitch and facebook anymore we'll be uh only live streaming to youtube um if you're watching it live the only place to watch it live is here tonight don't forget tonight is trivia night uh 7 30 p.m eastern time an awesome time uh it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a great time i'm telling you it's gonna be a great time Dennis, you said you were going to be there last time. Didn't see you last time, so I'm going to expect to see you. I'm going to hold you to it tonight. Come on out, Dennis. Let's let's put those chops chops together. Ah, Matt. Thank you. I just I got my ears lowered as they used to say when you're a kid. Yeah, I got or or the other one is yeah, I got all of them cut. Um, I got all of them cut. Yeah, I did. It just gets long. I can't. I don't know. I used to wear one back in the high school days. Had the traditional 1980s mullet which was um you know what we all did back then um today we got uh, missouri is holding our illy coffee oh that's good stuff that's all good stuff so um you know the news yesterday was news all centered around patching uh, that was the majority like three of the stories were patching today it's around research we we've uh <laughs> We've got it going. I like that, Dennis. Uh, let me let me throw that on the screen. Bald is the new sexy. That's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people just go that are going bald. I'm I'm mine is just turning invisible, uh, turning turning gray. I say it's the stress stress of kids, but they're all out of the house now, so uh, maybe that's the case. So what we got today is a whole bunch of other stuff, right? So our, our lead-in story is TikTok. TikTok got caught again and not that they're doing anything that that other people are not doing um they just agreed not to do the things they did um they were collecting information that they were told not to they're collecting information that they they shouldn't have been collecting they they just do again doing the wrong things um open source software is in the news um and it's really not not open source. It's open source software development. Um, really, as it relates to supply chain, um, they're in the news. That's in the news. Um, the the story, the story you've got to know to defunk people or debunk people. Uh, not defunk, I guess. Maybe if you're 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 running around with deodorant, you're defunking people. Um, Fabrizing the Homeless, that's a, a Daniel Tosh's old charity. Um, there's a story ab about 
breaking encryption on LTE or 4G phones. Um, you're going to love the name of the, the university that it came from, the academic research and the real world, I guess, explanation or demonstration of this. Uh, it's the one you got to know. You got to be able to debunk this when people bring this up. Um, if they do today, if people bring it up. And uh, Littleton, Lafayette, city in Colorado, um, got, got hit by ransomware and paid the penalty. And again, you understand why. So that's what we're talking about. All the why today, um, what's going on, all that stuff. These are the big stories in the news for today as of 7.15-ish. There's another one, Mozilla's cutting staff. Um, they branded this one as cutting cybersecurity staff. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't bring that one. I didn't pull that in last minute like I did the Microsoft story. Microsoft story yesterday, 120 patches bunch of criticals, two zero days. That had to be brought in last minute. This one is 250 staff are being cut, and some of them are cybersecurity. So it's 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 grabbing your attention, trying to get you to pay attention to the news, that, that news story. Um, probably important, it's, but they don't go into it any more than just a total of 250 people are being cut, and some of those people are cybersecurity staff. Okay, it's unfortunate that anyone's cut. Um, Mozilla, I, I don't know that that could be tied to the coronavirus. Not sure why they're cutting them, but I didn't didn't throw it in. It didn't make the cut. Came in at the last minute, but wasn't worth you know putting it extra extra. Read all about it on the news today. So let's throw the intro, and then we'll jump into our our stories of the day. Soup du jour. All right, um, this one, Sonotype, um, is a company that is involved in development of software. Um, so they looked at open source supply chains, uh, and they found that there's been a massive 430% uh, surge in next generation cyber attacks aimed at actively infiltrating open source software supply chains. Um, and it's important to, you know, that the article talks about, you know, what this is. So the, now here's the numbers. Um, according to the report, there's been 929 next generation supply chain software uh, attacks between 2019, July 2019 and May of 2020, uh, the comparison time they use is 216 of the same attacks recorded between February 2015 and June 2019. So it's 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 um, a much larger window. That's 216 was in a much larger window. This there's almost a thousand in a year, and um, so they they give some examples of next generation software attacks. And things like Octopus Scanner and Electron, Native Notify, are strategic um, and involve a bad actor. I always, love, I always love the term bad actor. I think we need a shirt that says bad actor. Um, targeting and surreptitiously compromising up source open source projects so they can exploit the vulnerabilities when they inevitably flow 
downstream into the wild. So what they're saying is, is they're trying to get into the development cycle. So either exploiting a piece of open source code that's going to be integrated into the project and then just waiting for that project to be released and then springing the trap on the open source code. Um, we see this a lot with folks that are building applications, um, this, this software development lifecycle, especially now that there's this, you know, software development pipelines and we have things like uh, CICD, which is that continuous improvement, continuous development where we're using agile and we're, we're always updating things and we're all, we are getting the minimum viable product out. And we're always in, in improving it. Um, when we're in these types of environments, if I'm the bad guy and I can exploit a DLL or a library or something that's open source that I know is going to be integrated into a lot of projects, if, if I can exploit that thing, maybe it's a, a counter or maybe it's a random key generator. Maybe it's a, a, a piece of, of code that automatically brings in user input and, and filters it in some specific way. If I can, you know, write that DLL or I can write that library, maybe it's a library I'm writing, um, and I can make it available and open source for anyone to use, and they pull it in, they being, you know, one of these, these organizations, pull it in and build it into their software. Uh, and this happens a lot. When that software is released, it may slip by all of the scanners, all of, maybe, or maybe these people aren't doing scanning. And then it gets released, and then it can be exploited. Um, the article goes on to say, you know, there's a major shift right around when Equifax had their breach. Um, up till that point, the bad actors, I'm going to use the term because I love the term, bad actors. The bad actors would wait for something to be released, and they would they wait for a vulnerability like a zero day or a unpatched vulnerability or something like that to break into the system and steal the data. Um, now we're seeing a major shift, and the major shift is trying to plant this malicious code early in the development cycle, and then as the software is released, it's released with the bug, and then that's how the bad guy, the, hold on, the, that's how the, the, the bad actor gets into the software. That's how they, they get in and exploit it. So this is the, that's the next generation part of this. The next generation is not waiting for the application to be developed and released and looking for a zero day or looking for a vulnerability that hasn't been patched. It's actually planting the malicious code uh, in a library, in a DLL, in part of the code that hopefully will be picked up as an open source chunk of the code that's being developed um, and then be released. Um, Backdoors involved, um, they need better code. Essentially, yeah, Dennis, it, it really is a, a backdoor. It, it's not a traditional backdoor like we used to think in the olden days, the, the bad old days when, you know, that system system administrator, software administrator would, uh, from the inside, would plant this. This is really done by a, a third-party operator making a, a malicious library. I'm just going to use library to cover all of the types of um, code that can be in, ingested into, but it is really, it is a backdoor. It's a backdoor that's, it's, it's almost like, um, a backdoor and a waterhole attack, right? So I've, in the water, waterhole attack, you know, normally that's done with the website and we know, um, maybe our 
are the, the 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 as the attacker, the organization we're trying to breach their sec their security is too strong. So maybe we're going to breach a website and we're going to plant some code on that. And we know that the organization's users go to that website. Hopefully they'll pull that code back in um, and then run it. So it's kind of the same thing. We we know that these guys are getting better at protecting the software once it's deployed. Now we're trying to plant a, a piece of malicious code within the software they're developing as it goes through. And, and you're right. You're right and, and the things you're going to say are right. The vulnerability scanner, uh, the code analysis, the static code analysis. And this this ties back to what we talked about a couple days ago with, um, with the release of Facebook releasing their Python static analysis tool, the, the Py, PyC, whatever, PYSA. Um, that static analysis tool, anybody can use for free. And exactly like you're saying, code analysis, we've got to look at the code. So there are specific tools you can use to review your code you're developing for these open source libraries. Um, a lot of people use Veracode and stuff like that to check your code, but it doesn't do a good job of checking the open source code. So there's specialty vulnerability scanners, things like Black Duck and White Source. I, I think those two companies got together and, you know, worked out the name of their company, Black Duck and White Source. They're specifically targeted towards open source software. They'll specifically scan open source software for known vulnerabilities um, and then give you the report. Just like, you know, we have so many vulnerability scanners. Um, Dennis and I, back in the good old days, we remember like Nessus. Um, things like Nessus or, or things along those lines, iRetina, those kind of things that were the vulnerability scanners. Now, there you know, there's... HP Fortify is their static code analysis. Um, you know, Black Duck or White Source is going to use, you're going to use those to do open source scanning, and then we're going to use Veracode to do scanning of software. There's a lot of vulnerability scanners we have to know nowadays. That's the protection from this thing. The protection from this thing is, is scanning your code and code analysis, like Dennis said. That's exactly right. Um, and we gotta, we've got to scan not only the code we write, but we've got to have to scan the code that's brought in right and obviously the reason the the why of this thing why would somebody go through all of this trouble um it's to get inside of those organizations and once you get inside the organization once you do the thing you know if we think about the equifax breach that was just getting information that was getting personal information on people um, we see it all all the time it's personal information maybe it's um trying to get credit card information financial information sometimes it's just getting on the system to plant something like a, a Bitcoin miner, like we talked uh, a couple days ago about uh, breaching Docker to install Bitcoin miners. Maybe it's to do ransomware. We'll talk about that later, what happened out in Colorado. Uh, when you get uh, hit by ransomware, um, yeah, code analysis is one of the answers. Obviously, we're going to patch, patch code, um, run the most recent version of the code, and that, you know, that's another problem we have to worry about is when we build code with these libraries in inside of them, um, we're using open source libraries inside of the code we're writing because it's faster, right? It's it's it, it's faster to use a module that's already been developed and plug it into our software than to build that timer ourselves. Um, it's faster, it's more efficient, it's but there is a security trade-off, right? So the, the second part of this is maybe it's secure when it's released. 
but a new version of that library comes out. Now, how do you update your software? So you have to have a software maintenance program in your organization if you're writing your own software. Um, so here's some notes according uh, according to the, the article, and this one is uh, by HelpNet Security. I think it's the second one we've had from HelpNet. Um, speed remains critical when responding to legacy software supply chain attacks. According to the report that was released by these these, fo these folks, Sonotype, I just got to remember I'm backwards here. Um, according to the report, enterprise software development teams differ in their response times to vulnerable vulnerabilities in open source components. So 47% of the organizations became, of the, became aware of open so source vulnerabilities after a week, and 51% of organizations took more than a week to remediate an open uh, open source vulnerabilities. Um, so those aren't those aren't th that doesn't add up to 100 because those are two different statistics. Obviously, one is uh, folks that became aware of the new vulnerabilities within a week. Within a week, that's about almost 50 percent, 47, 51 uh, percent, which could include some of that 47, took more than a week to remediate. Um, so some of the things the high performers do. If you're a high performer, one of the things I thought was uh, nice about high performers is they not only um, looked at these things more critically when they installed open source, but they had a, a different thought of this, this balance of security and usability. They didn't see usability going down as security going up or security going down as usability going up. They, saw, they sought to improve both usability and security at the same time. Um, high performers also, 59% or more likely be using automated software composition analysis, or SCA, to detect and remediate known vulnerabilities in OSS components, open source software, components across the SDLC or software development lifecycle. Um, like Dennis said, scan your code. 51% are more likely uh, to centrally maintain a software bill of materials, or SBOM, for applications, keeping track of what you're using in your organization. Always a good point. Um, 4.9 times uh, more likely to successfully update dependencies and fix vulnerabilities without breakage. Essentially, they know what the packages are doing, how they're tied into their application, how they all work together. Um, and 33% or 33 times more likely to be confident that OSS dependencies are secure or no known vulnerabilities. Bunch of additional findings. Great article to read. Um, principal scientist at Gallos and CEO of MuseDev said, it was really exciting to find much evidence that this much discussed trade-off between security and productivity is a false dichotomy with the right culture, workflow, and tools development teams can achieve great security and compliance outcomes together with class-leading productivity. And that's really the this 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 thing we used to think of, you know, this dichotomy that as security goes up, usability goes down, or vice versa. Th this person, uh, Stephen McGill, is saying no, that's not the case. Uh, we can improve both of them. They got some stats about Equifax being like that point in the sand when things changed. Um, so it's, it's it's a good art good article, good one to check out. Um, seems like these guys that help net security do a pretty good job right writing these things up nice chart that shows just you know how this thing spiked from really december 2019 
to now. It's uh, incredible how how much um, how much this, this is, how many how much this is being exploited by the bad actor. Um, who's in for bad actor shirts? I think we need Dennis. You definitely need a bad actor shirt. Um, we're gonna get you a bad actor shirt. That's for sure. Um, positive technologies uh, like this. The PT pen. I think they, I think they tied their name into pen test PT. Positive technologies. Um, this this is uh, an article that I I don't know. I threw it in here because it's just it. it what is what's the uh, say, saying we need to say? Oh, really? Yeah, I think voice in the sky. That's one. Um, they did a lot of research. They they compiled a lot of information. They they dug through the metrics. They dug through the statistics. Positive Technologies is a pen test company, and they found out that, lo and behold, uh, people are not very good at maintaining passwords, and people are not very good at patching systems. And um, that article from ZDNet really focuses around those two things. Most of the work these guys do uh, in pen testing can be summed up these these two different flaws. Bad password management, weak passwords, and poor patching uh, lead to very bad results if you're going for pen test, which means very bad results if the bad guy comes knocking on your door. So according to the article, hackers can gain access to the internal networks of corporations by exploiting two security findings in as little as 30 minutes. So you spend millions or billions in some cases um, on security, and you have weak passwords, and you don't patch your systems, and... You're done in 30 minutes, right? So ethical hackers and cybersecurity researchers at Positive Technology, again backwards, perform penetration testing against organizations in a wide variety of sectors uh, and find common security vulnerabilities across all industries. Um, and they've got a, a new report called Penetration Testing of Corporate Information Systems. One of the most common security issues is weak passwords. That's tied to the ability to exploit known vulnerabilities and gain further access to the systems. Um, the head of the information security an, uh, analysis at Positive Technologies told ZDNet, the problem lies in the low levels of protection even for large organizations. Attack vectors are based primarily on exploiting known security flaws. This means that companies do not follow basic information security rules. Amen. Amen. It, it's it's crazy that you know years later, thirty years later, forty years later, we're still talking about the same thing: passwords and patching. P and P, um, secure passwords, complex passwords, better yet, multi-factor authentication, and patching your system. You, you just got to do that. In addition to weak passwords, two-thirds of organizations are using vulnerable versions of software that haven't required the re haven't received the required security updates leaving it open to being exploited that two these two things i don't i don't know how you, you this is just the, the oh really um, the average time it took ethical hackers to gain in access to the internal network was 4 days not bad um, Normal engagement for a red team or a pen test team is anywhere from two weeks to, say, six months, depending on how 
much money your po- how deep your pockets are. Four days is not not bad. Four days to get in to breach a system, not bad. Less than a week still. Um, in one case, it was possible in just thirty minutes. I I would hate to be that organization. Thirty minutes. That's that's all. Hopefully they just didn't. I mean, for the sake of that security team. Hopefully there was no security team because there was a security team, and you still were breached in thirty minutes. Uh, um, she goes on to say, an attacker can develop an attack on critical business systems, for example, financial systems, to gain access to computers, top managers, or conduct an attack of the company's customers or partners. In addition, the hackers can sell the obtained access to the darknet. Another one, positive, uh, bad actor and darknet. Two two words for today. Um, uh, or the criminals to conduct uh, other attacks, for example, ransomware. You know, just these are things we got to. And you guys, you guys know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys know this. You guys know this. So it's not that I've got to convince you guys to have good passwords. I don't have to convince you guys to patch your system, which every system this week should be patched. I mean, everything you own should be going through a patch cycle. Um, to patch them. That's what. That's the bottom line of this article. Point people to this one. Yeah, yeah. I'd fire the whole security. I, I'm hoping, but Dennis, I, you know, based on those results, I had hoped that there was just it was just a company that didn't have a security team, and they thought maybe they they maybe they're researching starting a security team, hiring one. But when it comes down to it, it, it comes down to security's not the one that that does the work, right? So security, we talk, we preach about passwords. But we have to get the end user to set good passwords. We have to get the IT team, our IT technologist, to set those requirements in the systems to force strong passwords. And then we have to we have to force the IT folks to patch their systems. We don't generally the I, the security folks aren't the ones doing that. We are the ones trying to get other people to do that. And if there's a weak linkage between security and and business management or security and IT, things fall apart. So. Uh, the why they're doing it, why are pen, tra- pen testers doing this? These are ethical hackers, right? Uh, Dennis knows all about this world. If if you're an ethical hacker, you're being hired by a company to come in and act like a malicious actor or a, a bad actor um, and go in and try to break the system, try to break into the system. So they're going to use the same tools, techniques, and procedures that an actual hacker, like an actual black hat hacker would use to try to breach the system. Um, so it gives you a sense of how your organization do, is doing against defending yourself against these folks. Um, so that's why these folks are doing it. How do, how do you protect against this stuff? This stuff, this is just the tip of the iceberg, but these are big, big things. Have strong password policies and enforce them no, not only administratively, that's what the paperwork that says if you break these rules, we're going to get you some, you know, some administrative action. Um, but technically have, you know, it used to be pass-filled DLL on Windows systems. You know, that would force a strong password on Windows systems. Um, but enforce strong passwords on your systems. Make sure people have to use complex passwords. Or, like I said, better yet, multi-factor authentication. Some type of two different factors, not two different passwords, not two different usernames and passwords. But I'm saying... Uh, a username and password and a security token or username and password and a biometric or all three. Um, let's let's see, you know, 
how far this goes. But this, I mean, it's good news for us. It's yet another article we can point to um, when we're defending our security budget and stuff like that. We have to do these things. We have to, we have to force the the business, the IT folks, to do their job. That's the that's the fight we've got day in day out. That's why we get together in the morning and boost each other up and say these are the things we got to do today. Um, speaking of, speaking of every day, um, it seems like every day TikTok is in the news uh, and TikTok is in the news again because they're being boneheaded. Um, and again, I know, I think Matt, you brought up the other day, what are they doing that's different than Facebook or different than anything else? Um, this is an article from Threat Post. Um, and this is essentially this time targeting Android users, but the app concealed the practice of gathering device unique identifiers using an added layer of encryption. Dennis, let's, uh, uh, why is that not, uh, let's see why it's not coming all the way through. Uh, that's weird. We got a, a flaw in the, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't restream. I see Dennis, I see your, your comment over there and it didn't come over to where I can put it on screen. No passwords under the keyboards. Uh, no more, like no more wire hangers. I love it. And the passwords was, you know, the, the kind of like the Microsoft standard password, P at sign. Why is that not coming through? I, I got to believe maybe it's not. I beat up Restream all this time. And now I've got a, um, there we go. Just took a, took a while. Wow, that's, it came through. Not sure why it took so long to come through. No more passwords under keyboard. I had to. I wanted to get that on the screen so you can see how he spelled passwords. Um, awesome, Dennis. That is the the way that you do it. <laughs> um, I got a story on that. I'll come back to after the TikTok. So t TikTok has been collecting you could you could you. Nah. Hold on a second. <laughs> TikTok has been collecting unique identifiers from millions of Android devices without their users' knowledge in a tactic previously prohibited by Google because it violated people's privacy, new research has found. Um, yeah, I, I, we, we can blame Mako. He's not here. Um, I, I suspect it's got, yeah, it's got its setting. He was, uh, he's mad at me for making him punch down everything yesterday. Um, that's got to be what it is. So really what they're doing, um, App concealed the practice which can track users' online activities without the consent uh, by adding another layer of encryption. Um, the Wall Street Journal looked at this. It was the report. Obviously, the company's ByteDance that owns this. They're owned by their own. It's a Chinese-owned company, which means it's owned by the state. Um, they stopped the practice in November, and really, what they're tracking, you know, it, it's it, it is from the Wall Street Journal. So the the not really a technology-based article, but um, the unique identifier that's being tracked is the MAC address. The MAC address of the Android phone, um, you know, unique per device, obviously. Um, so TikTok collected the MAC addresses for at least 15 months, ending uh, in November, uh, November 18th. Um, 
That information was also bundled with the device's unique advertising ID, which is a 32-digit number aimed at allowing advertisers to track the consumer's behavior while still allowing uh, the user to remain anonymous and main control, control over their own information, the Wall Street Journal found. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they, it, it's not overly, you know, technically advanced this thing. They're, they're tracking the MAC address. And by tracking the MAC address, they can actually take this, this what was anonymized advertising idea and actually tie it to something that they can continue to track, right? So you may get rid of TikTok, but you're still going to have that same MAC address, generally. I know we can change them, but generally it's going to be the same thing. Um, this is why TikTok is always getting in trouble. They do stuff like this. So it me leads me to think, their intent is still malicious. Um, I, I know I'm, I know I may be in the the majority here in this room in that thought, but amongst a lot of people who are using TikTok, they would think I'm crazy. I'm a conspiracy theorist. But all these things add up to TikTok building things into the application or ByteDance, I should say, building things into the application that are there to track user information and give that information back to someone, and I'm going to say back to the China, China, the government of China, um, from TikTok. TikTok says it doesn't share data with the Chinese government and would not violate users' privacy, even if asked according to the Wall Street Journal. However, many security experts have warned that due to the security flaws of the app and China's stance on cybersecurity, it's likely that the Chinese government has access to whatever data the app does. Um, if you've ever done any business with China, and I worked for a company that did had an office in China, and the only way you can do business in China, especially if you have an office there, is assume that that network and all those devices are totally compromised um, and totally segment them from the rest of your network. That's, that's essentially what we did. Um, the app privilege previously came under fire uh, for reading Apple iPhone users cut and paste data. So Apple, you were in the same boat uh, a couple months ago. Um, something that was discovered in February, and TikTok owners promised they would stop doing in March. Um, however, in June, the new iPhone privacy feature and Apple iOS 14 shows a banner alert that people let people know if mobile app is pasting from the clipboard and seemed to reveal that the practice was still going on. So that's the thing, and I think the question the other day was what's the difference between what Facebook is doing and what TikTok is doing, or the difference between what YouTube is doing and TikTok is doing? Facebook and YouTube, if you read their end user agreements, or their, their licensing agreement, they're gonna spell out exactly what data they're, they're, they're harvesting, and they're harvesting a ton. Um, but you, you know, nobody, I'm gonna tell you, nobody reads those. Nobody reads the EULA except for lawyers. But they, they do. They do take the time to spell out all the things they're collecting and what they're going to do with them. If they're going to sell them to third party or if they're not. And then they usually, by and large, and I know they've been, they've been caught as well, by and large they stay to those rules. That, but they're, they're writing the rules themselves, obviously. TikTok is not only using the rules they wrote, but also the rules that, like for this, in this example, Google wrote. And they just are not paying attention to them. They don't care. Um, they're saying they're fixing them, and they're not. They're saying they're not sending information to China, and they still get caught over and over again doing it. 
Um, they say that they're not reporting to the Chinese government. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a communist country. It's a socialist country. The state owns everything. So how can you say, you know, you can say that they're not sharing. But my thought, Jim's view on this is, obviously they're sharing. That, that's, that is one of the things that, that we have to worry about. There's old Soviet saying way back when, um, I think Brezhnev maybe said it, or, or but you know, we'll, we'll hang the West with the rope they sell us. And, and back then it was, you know, it was funny, he was banging his shoe on the table. I, I'm not even sure when, when this took place, in the 70s, maybe, or 80s. Um, we'll, sell, we'll hang the West with the rope they sell us. And it looks like now they are, are, they're getting close to being able to do that. And they're using, the rope in this case is social media. So they can guide our guide our thoughts as Americans. They can guide our thoughts and our viewpoints by injecting false news into the social media stream and by collecting data from these applications that are out there. It's something we have to worry about. Um, and again, this is my soapbox right now. I'll be up on the soapbox talking about this. We have to worry about what's going on in social media. We have to worry about our friends, our family, our coworkers, our organization, how we're using social media and temper this stuff. It's not, you know, the old joke, you know, it's, it's, it's from the internet. It's got to be true. Well, we know that's not the case. We know that most of the stuff on the internet is fake. And get your friends, your families, your coworkers to critically think. And that's what we're losing now is the ability to critically think about these, these, these articles were, were set up either on the right side or the left side, and we're just holding those lines. And any story we find that reinforces that um, we're going with. Them. We're not checking it out. Sorry, sorry for being on soapbox, guys. It just it drives me crazy sometimes that other people are able to manipulate our society so much. Gosh. And it's it's by these apps that we we have. Um, so the next one. This was uh, academics in the Ruhr University in Bachheim, Germany. So Ruhr University in Bachheim, um, which in Germany they're they probably have a pretty good acronym. It, it probably nobody thinks twice about it. But when I, I saw their 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 logo, I was like, hmm, that's I, I don't know about that one. So uh, Ruhr Universität Bachum or Rub um, went to Rub. Um, they did some research and they found out that LTE networks are generally fourth generation networks. Um, you know, these are academics, right? These are academics who went through um, LTE, long-term evolution, or LTE, 4G networks, um, generally encrypt communications. And these folks determined that some cell towers use the same encryption key, exactly the same encryption key, for multiple conversations or encryption keys that are easily broken for different conversations. And, and this one... Uh, gets this one no effing way yeah yeah voice in the sky this one this is the one you need to know to rebut if people bring it up you know somebody somebody maybe is watching the news this is a zdnet article so it probably hasn't got too much traction outside of the tech community um you know a lot of times these a single cell tower is going to use the same encryption to secure multiple 4g voice calls uh, that take place via the same base station or tower. Um, these are academics that did this. Um, now, here's the thing you got to know. Um, 
by default, the Volt or v v Voice Over LTE standard um, supports encrypted calls. For each call, the mobile operators must select an encryption key called a cipher key, cipher stream, uh, called a stream cipher, excuse me, um, to secure the call. Normally, the stream cipher should be unique for each call, but these fo folks at Rub uh, discovered that not all mobile operators follow the 4G standard to the letter of law, uh, and a lot of times they will reuse keys or share them. So here's the part you need to know, and this is probably, I'll just take this right out of the article. Uh, in the real-world scenario, academics say that if an attacker can record the conversations between two 4G users using a vulnerable mobile tower, they can decrypt it at a lower, later point. All an, attacker, <laughs> all an attacker has to do is to place a call to one of the victims and record that conversation. The only catch is the attacker has to place the call from the same vulnerable base station so that both calls have to take place from the same base station, the one you want to encrypt, and your call to this person in order to have uh, the its own call encrypted with the same predictable or the same encryption key, or the predictable key or the same key. Um, the longer the attacker talks to the victim, the more content of the previous conversation he or she is able to decrypt. Uh, one of these, uh, David Ruprecht. Uh, for example, if an attacker and a victim spoke for five minutes, the attacker could later decode five minutes of the previous conversation. The attacker compared the two recorded conversations at a later point, of course, and determine the encryption key and then recover a previous conversation uh, demo. The, the typical revolt attack is available on the, the, the video that's in this link. Researchers say that the equipment to pull off the revolt attack cost around seven grand. While the price might seem steep, certainly uh, the price range of other 3G, 4G mobile interception gear usually employed by law enforcement and criminal gangs. Um, Research has found that base stations across Germany, uh, about 80% were using the same or predictable encryption keys. Um, scientific pa paper defaulting, describing the revolt attack can be downloaded. It's in the, the show notes. You can grab the, the thing. And this is just, it's one of those ones that, okay, unless you're Tom Cruise in like, um, what is that the series he's in anyway, where he's a spy? I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss this morning. Hold on, it's not Minority Report, dang. Anyways, unless you're James Bond, let's say, let's jump from time. This is one of those things they use in a spy movie, right? So first of all, here's the setup you have to have for this to work. You have to have the seven grand worth of equipment, right? You have to find a, a conversation between two people that you want to decrypt, right? Um, then you have to place yourself close to the base station that they're using for the conversation. And that base, base station needs to be one of these in Germany that is mission impossible. Thank you, Dennis. Dang, I just, I, I, I'm at a loss this morning. You have to place yourself close to that base station where your call can be there. Then you need to call one of those two people. And then you need to have a conversation with one of these two people for the same length of time that the conversation you want to decrypt is. And then you need to go back and take all both these conversations offline and then decrypt them. Um, obviously, yeah, sure, if this is, 
if you're highly targeting a person, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're state sponsored, you're, you're a spy. Essentially, well, let's say it. If you're a spy, you're going to use this technique, right? You're going to follow all these things. And you're going to figure out um, how to keep this person on the phone for the, the amount of time, 7, 10, 15, 30 minutes. Whatever you need, you need to keep them on the phone, on a phone call on the same tower for that much time to be able to get enough encryption data to decrypt what was going on. So there's a lot of stuff around this one. If you hear people talking about this, they're not targeting your conversation about, you know, the, the cookie recipe that your mom gave you. They're not trying to see, you know, what if you're taking the day off to actually go to the doctor. This is someone trying to figure out state secrets. This is someone trying to figure out corporate espionage. This is this is a highly targeted, um, highly technical, intensive attack. So there's a lot of things you have to do. So it's called Revolt. Um, it, it's it's 4G, it's LTE networks, long-term evolution 4G networks. It, it's from the folks at Rub. Um, it's it, it's one it's the one you're gonna have to have in your pocket today in case somebody brings it up and say, yeah, okay, you're talking to me about this thing, but here's all the things that have to take place. Obviously, if I if I want to listen to a sensitive conversation that's taking place over a cell phone, this is maybe how I would do it. Um, say I was state sponsored or something like that. The, the question is, most of, those, most of those folks, you know, if you've worked in any environment like that, they're not going to talk anything sensitive over an open cell phone. Um, that's going to be over an encrypted channel. They're going to use some type of encrypted device to talk. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's... It's out there. They're academics that figure this out. They're researchers. Um, it, it can it happen? Yes, it can happen. For certain, it can happen. What's the risk level for uh, a normal organization, a normal person, your friends, your families, your generally your coworkers? I had to watch. I had to watch this this audience here because some of the coworkers you have maybe in the this target area, um, but generally this is not going to be something that's that's going to be targeted at anyone I know at least. Um, but you know, you you may know that. It's it's highly technical. It's it's a complex attack um, called laser fishing, <laughs> like spear spear and whale. I think I don't know laser. We, yeah, laser might be yeah. We very focused. I, I wouldn't want to get tied up with you know. We can bounce a laser off a window and listen to conversation. I don't know. Would that be confused with that? Maybe not. Um, but yeah, this is this is very 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 targeted interception of cell phone traffic. Um, do most people have to worry about this? No. Uh, academics will talk about it. Uh, maybe it will progress over time to either be uh, no longer possible, they'll, they'll secure the base station, or maybe the technology will be advanced to where it becomes easier to do. I don't know. Do know this place, uh, Ruhr Universität Bachheim, um, or Rub University. Um, Crazy, crazy place. And our last story up on the chopping block today, um, Lafayette, the city of Lafayette, Colorado, is in the news not for the great things they should be uh, in the news for, but they just paid 45 grand to get out of a ransomware attack. So Lafayette, Colorado fell victim to ransomware on July 27th. 
It encrypted the security uh, the city's networks, the computer networks. It caused a disruption in phone service, email, online payments, and reservation systems. Um, they haven't identified how the attack took place. The, the city's network folks are saying it was either phishing or brute force attack. So two different, obviously, vectors coming in, uh, brute force or phishing. I'm just, my gut, gut reactions, probably, probably phishing. Um, that's just the easiest way now. Um, but it wasn't part of a targeted campaign. So it was, wasn't spear phishing like, like Dennis was talking about just a second ago, or whaling, where we're very targeting, we're targeting uh, people or you're targeting high ranking officials. Um, you know, they thought about it, they did some calculation, and they determined the quickest way, most cost-effective way to restore municipal services was to pay the money instead of trying to rebuild things from scratch. So that leads me to believe there was no backup offline. That means they were saying, here's our two choices, pay the 45 grand or just start from zero. And they determined that um, 45 grand was cheaper than starting from zero. Uh, Jamie, Har uh, Jamie Harkins is Lafayette mayor. She says, I can tell you that using taxpayer funds to pay ransom was definitely not the direction the city wanted to take. We attempted to pursue any possible avenue to avoid, pay, avoid paying the ransom. Um, she goes on to say, although af uh, after thorough examination of the situation and cost scenarios and considering potential for lengthy, inconvenient service outages to residents, we determined that obtaining the decryption tool far outweighed the cost of rebuilding the data and the systems. Um, so we, to me, it sounds like either we have old data, we have old backups, uh, we have an inefficient backup recovery system. Should be an indicator that your disaster recovery plans, your continuity of operation plans probably need to be looked at as well because maybe it wasn't ransomware, maybe it was a storm that took these things out, or maybe it was something else that messed up your data. That's 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 going to be a bad thing. You know, and I, 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 you know, the city of Lafayette, why do that to the city of Lafayette? They have Ninja Power Nation there. These guys, get ready for your Ninja, American Ninja Warrior training camp there. How can they do that to the city that has the Ninja Warrior training camp in it? I, I don't know. That's, they can do it there, they can do it anywhere. Big point is, you know, ransomware, it's not going away. And this is why. As long as the ransomware bad actors, we're going to throw that up there again. As long as these bad actors continue to make money, they're going to continue to exploit systems. And as long as end users continue to click on links and have bad passwords, and as long as system administrators and the IT staff continue to deploy software poorly and not patch it correctly, this is going to continue to happen, and it's going to happen more and more and more. We see big cities, we see big organizations, we see big um, folks that have a lot of money. Like, will you get $45,000 out of a normal person if you encrypt their hardware, uh, if you encrypt their data? Probably not. They're probably just going to say, it's a bad day, but now I've got to start from scratch because I don't have the $45,000. We know that a lot of these phishing organizations are building affiliate programs where you can essentially license their software and conduct your own attacks. Um, I don't recommend that in any way, shape, or form. I, you'll go to jail eventually. I guarantee eventually you'll get caught. Um, doing that in America, you're, 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 it's not going to be a good thing. But they're building these affiliate programs, and if you're in another country that 
doesn't care so much about cybersecurity or they don't extradite to company, countries that do, you can start this little program and you're going to see, I guarantee over the next coming months and years, it's not just going to be a big organization. It's going to be mom and pop stores. It's going to be normal people that are getting their data locked up because it's going to be different target sectors. You have affiliate programs, affiliate ransomware program folks that are targeting end users. And they're, just, they're not going to go for $45,000. Maybe they're going to go for $500, but they're going to do it a thousand times. Or maybe they'll go for $1,000. Maybe they'll go for $2,000. doesn't. I, I think it's it, it's just it's there is money to be made and anytime there's money to be made the bad actors are going to show up um, so we have to you're the security people you're the risk people you're the cyber people you have friends families and co-workers I'm gonna keep telling this you have friends families and co-workers they're gonna get tired of you saying this stuff they're gonna get tired of you saying patch your system have a strong password um, Use multi-factor authentication when it's available. They're going to get tired of you saying these, preaching these security things. Use secure software. Don't download pirated software. They're going to get tired of you saying this until there's a breach that happens, until their friend gets their data locked up and theirs doesn't get locked up. Um, have backups. Definitely tell people to have backups. One of the things we're building in our network, and I talked to Alex a little bit last night, where the Unify network is coming along. We're getting the recordings done. Uh, we mounted the, the switch yesterday. We did the UDM. We got it mounted. We got a bunch of cables ran. Uh, Mako and Emily now are experts in both termination of RJ45 cables and punching down patch panels. Um, they they fast. They're, they're fast at it now. Um, they got it going on. So um, it's coming. And in this environment, we're building a NAS that's going to back up all of our equipment. Uh, Got to gotta have that backup somehow. And the backup should not only be on your network. It should be, there should be an offline version too. The important stuff, it's got to be, it's got to be, you got to take it offline. So uh, we're going to have our NAS backup everything. And then we're going to have the nice thing about the Buffalo NAS we have is it's got the ability to connect an external drive. So we'll be able to back up everything to the Buffalo. And then the Buffalo can back up to an external drive that we can disconnect from the network and then if, if, if something terrible happens, we've got a backup copy. Um, let me see how long this takes this comment to come through. I wonder why it's taking so long. I see Alex's comment has hit YouTube, but it hasn't hit inside yet. I don't know why that is taking so long. So how is Mako coming along with making trivia night questions? I, uh, I actually know. Um, Mako was in charge of the fill in the blank this time. Um, so he took those, um, I'll give you some, he, some heads up. He's got some fill in the blank questions that uh, will we'll test you. You should know, you should know them all. Um, he's gonna give you the answer. It's just not, it's gonna be in a form you're gonna have to, to work with. Um, I took the RMF ones. Um, I can't think of it. I think we have a potpourri out there uh, as well. And uh, I can't remember the fourth one. 40 questions tonight. 40 questions, RMF 2.0, Mako's fill in the blank, and it's still, wow, it's weird that it has not come, there we go, yeah, it did come through, it just was, it didn't scroll up, uh, user error there, PEPCAC, problem exists between keyboard, in this case, mouse and chair, um, they actually know, so I, I think, Alex, I think you'll be good on the RMF ones, I think you'll be good on the fill in the blank, um, 
Emily had some. I think I can't remember all the, the domains. Uh, we'll know. We'll know tonight. Tonight it's just around the corner. There's two of the four you already know. You already know what to get ready for, right? Uh, I tell you, Mako already gave the answers. The answer to his question in the in the question, you just got to figure out how to turn it into the answer. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, so that's that. That's what we got to say about that. Today, today is Left Handers Day, uh, International Left Handers Day. Gave you a couple links in the show notes so you can look about look about what you need to know about left handers. Um, you know, um, let's see. Uh, no, no left handed desk. They don't exist. Uh, left handed scissors are are if you, if you're trying to use right handed scissors as a lefty, that's terrible. I know I know a left handed person. She's got left handed scissors. When I try to use them as a right handed person, they're terrible to use. Um, Uh, during the 1600s, people were thought that the people thought left-handers were witches and warlocks. That's probably not a good thing. About 10% of the population is left-handed. Um, left-handed college graduates earn 26. Uh, they have a 26% greater chance of becoming rich. I'm all for that. Um, so, left-handers day. Dean R. Campbell, founder of Left-handers International, which is in the show notes. Created this day was first celebrated on August 13th, uh, 1976, bicentennial year. False reference that on the internet that Left Handers Day is in January. No, someone was trying to set, set up a second day. Um, no, it's it's really it's today. True night tonight at 7 p.m. Yes, sir. Thank you, um, thank you for the the whoops the the lead in there. Uh, which one is? Which one is the right trivia night? I think I don't have it on my deck still. Let's do that. Um, trivia night tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Like Dennis says, he's got it down. It's right here on YouTube. We'll, we'll get the, the link set up fairly quickly. It won't be rebroadcast on Facebook. It won't be rebroadcast onto Twitch unless I can figure out what the heck was going on with the stream um, to get the, the conversation coming across. Uh, four domains tonight, 10 questions each. It's going to take about an hour. We'll do like always. We'll go about a half hour. We'll do our intermission, and we'll do the second half hour. We'll figure out who the winner is. Um, who is it going to be? Who's going to be? Who is going to be the reigning champion is the question uh, of the day. So that's what's going on. I hope to see you tonight. I really do. As you go off in the day, as you go off today and fight the good fight, it's Thursday, it's Friday Eve. We're almost, we're almost to the weekend. Um, you know, uh, I used to work for a warrant officer named, uh, last name was Trippett. He always say, you know, every Friday he'd say only two working days till Monday. Um, hopefully not that case. Some people live the life. Every every day is a, every morning is a Monday. Every evening is a Friday. Maybe that's a good way to look at things. There's a bunch of stuff coming on. Trivia nights tonight. Um, want to see you there be there be there at b square we use soccerative so get there early enough you'll have to um be on the live stream that's where you, you're going to see everything uh, it's going to see the video and then soccerative is where you will answer your question so get there early enough to log into both uh, we'll have instructions on the screen there's instructions on cyber-recon.com dot let's do that again cyber-recon.com front slash trivia 
I'll, uh, after the show, I'll throw that in the show notes so you have it. All the instructions are there. Socrativ, if you play it in the in the web page, you don't have to give any personal information at all. If you play it on the app, on the phone app, they're gonna, whatever they're going to gather, they're going to gather. I don't know. So you can play it either way. I don't gather any information about you unless you win. And then I need your contact information to ship you prizes, um, which is cool. Cyber Recon swag. Um, like we got some cool stuff in now. I like the RMFer shirt. Maybe I'll, I'll have to change the RMFer shirt by tonight since we're talking about RMF stuff. Uh, RMFer shirts. And obviously tomorrow will be the Red Friday shirt. Um, be there, be square. Um, today, take care of your friends, your family, coworkers. Take care of each other. We're a security community. We have to back each other up. Um, as Mike Bravo would always say, hopefully he'll say it tonight when he's at Trivia Night, go get some. And until tomorrow, uh, be good out there. Do the right things. Take care of your friends, your families, coworkers. And we'll see you tomorrow at, well, we'll see you tonight at 7 p.m. East Coast. Uh, time here for Trivia. And then we'll see you tomorrow at 7.30. So be good. Have a good day. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, Dennis, I, before we go, I think, uh, we're going to have to get that bad actor shirt. I think bad actor is a shirt we got to get. Um, uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. Anyways, take care of each other and we'll see you later today.